Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Welcome back to Joe vs. the Minute, a movies by minute podcast analyzing the 1990 John Patrick Shanley film Joe vs. the Volcano one minute at a time. Please be impressed at how well I did that. It is the last time I will get to do it. I am one of your co-hosts, Tierney Steele. And with me as always, although I can't say as always, we did trade on and off sometimes. <laughs> it's true. With me as usual is Jarf. I'm Jarf and I am impressed. Nice job, Tierney. And thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we are not alone here wrapping up this movie. Welcoming back from Monday's episode. Well, first of all, welcome my dog, Jack Bow Wow, who <laughs> always thinks I'm going to have... If I'm recording a podcast, I probably have snacks, so you better come and check in. <laughs> but in addition to uh, that background noise, uh, we have Sean from the Next Scene podcast and Pete the Retailer from Star Wars Minute. Welcome, Sean and Pete. Yay! Hey, right, thanks. I'm, I'm almost missed the whole thing, but I'm here just for the, I got it. I got in. <laughs> I was going to say, we have to start with what Pete thinks of this movie, right? I mean, literally, <laughs> I, I think uh, maybe a dozen words <laughs> total. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one line of dialogue, right? That's, but that's, you know, it counts. It's part of the movie. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I love this movie. I was trying to remember earlier if I saw it in the theater or I just rented it when it was a new release, like, you know, from Blockbuster or whatever. But from the get-go, I, I love this movie. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, a couple of my close friends, like, will, you know, there's those cultural points that it's like, oh, if you have that in common, okay, we, I get you. You know, like, we get each other because of that. And I think one of my, one of my closest friends once was quoting um, Dan Hede as uh, the boss from the beginning. Like oh, he, yeah. he was just, like, walking Mr. around saying, like, I'm not arguing that with you. I'm not arguing that with you. And I was like, oh, I get you. I know. I understand what you're saying. So it, it uh, was a little bit of a key kind of like, okay, yeah, culturally, like, this is important to us, even though it didn't, uh, it didn't uh, <laughs> do that well, I don't think, in the, in the, oh, hang on a second, I'm being told that dinner is here. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Bellow hops on a plane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we were mocking, I totally get what you mean. This is such a great touchstone. Specifically today, we're talking about minute 98, the last minute of movie movie. It begins with Joe and Patricia, air quotes, sailing off into the night. And mm -hmm. it ends with the credits for costumers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to have some credits excitement. But first, we have to get these two crazy kids off on their way. And this, this is the minute where Tom Hanks steals my line mm -hmm. and says they're going <laughs> to sail away from the things of man. He says, my love, Jarf, you're a wonderful friend. There's a reason I've been saying, of course, instead of my love this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get more evidence that this is a fairy tale. <laughs> That's something that I've always... Uh... I've long held that saying something and then either pausing or throwing in, you know, somebody's name or, or doctor works really well and then saying it again. So if you say, you know, like, like, I'm going downstairs, doctor, I'm going downstairs. Like, if you say it, just pause, <laughs> so, you know, say something, then say it again. It makes it so much more dramatic. Could be the most mm -hmm. mundane thing in the world, you know, uh, like, I'd like some butter, doctor, I'd like some butter. Here, <laughs> wait, I'm going to try it. I don't have any snacks, Jack Bow Wow. I don't have any snacks. See? That just yeah. added a whole level to wow. that, that where it's like, Oof. you know, 
it was like, oh no, the cupboard is bare. There's there's drama. Yeah, we we had a moment. We made eye contact, and he's like, I'm really not getting <laughs> snacks, or uh, yeah. am I? And so that applies here because it's away from the things of man. I love how high in the water this luggage floats. Mm. It's it's a fairy tale. It's fairy tale luggage. It's like magic beans. You don't get a lot of luggage in fairy tales, do you? I love the switch, and I. I was very good. I did not spend all of Monday complaining that I could hear the room they record, the empty room they recorded this in. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It's so infuriating. But so I very much appreciate the uh, scene switch to from behind. So it's just them floating off. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I'm thinking like, so did Neil deGrasse Tyson ever critique the, the stars in the sky the way he did for Titanic and to complain that it wasn't accurate? Um... I mean, we got pretty deep into the phases of the moon on just this podcast. So I've got to imagine if you give him a couple beers, he will. <laughs> so let's not give him those beers then. And they lived happily ever after, which is good enough for me. We, we, we talked about a little bit on Monday how they're, you know, no land in sight. And we don't know for sure that they ever find land, but land or no land, they end up okay at least until ever after happens. Yeah. Well, exactly. I think this this answers one part of your question. Sean was wondering on Monday, is this basically a summer fling and maybe they're not in it for the long haul, but mm-hmm. now now we have we have textual proof it's canon they live happily ever after. Now, right. that doesn't mean that they found land it ever after could be for the next couple of days that they were at sea. <laughs> <laughs> They died in each other's arms. <laughs> mm-hmm. But ever after does mean together. You don't get ever after if you're if you're not together. You trying to find something, Tierney? No, uh, Pete says he can't hear us anymore. Technical difficulties. Getting interesting. Getting it is getting interesting. interesting. Huh? Well, here's something fun. Mm-hmm. So we've all agreed that we love and appreciate this movie. Let's hear from someone who feels the exact opposite. Why do you hurt me like this, Jarf? <laughs> yes, listeners, back by unpopular demand. It's a little feature <laughs> I like to call One Star Wednesday. One Star Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> so the following One Star Review is from Mockeye Bird, and they say this movie was pretty bad, top to bottom. Bad acting. Bad directing. For the record, they said direction. (laughs) (laughs) Spelled D-I-R-E-C-T-I-O-I-N. Okay. Bad story. Even Eric Burden sounds bad. And Eric Burden's like popping his head up like, what What did I do? (laughs) (laughs) I had one song on the soundtrack. You know I have other work, right? And then it goes on to say, thank goodness Tom Hanks got better in later films. Heard some positive buzz over the years about this, quote, sleeper movie. It starts out in drudgery fair and you hope it will get better but then you realize wait for it it won't and the only sleeper is you snore (laughs) oh yeah but that oh that is my worst brand of one star review because not only are they cutting down the movie but they're using it as, as a platform to prove their own cleverness the only sleeper is you sure if you you have to we need a palate cleanser if that's the worst kind of one star review what's the best kind of one star review 
Could it perhaps be a one-star review that almost has nothing to do with this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't have the page up, but just off the top of my head, there was someone who was incensed that this was a half-baked follow-up to Sleepless in Seattle. (laughs) That's not the best kind of review. The best kind of review are the people who are upset that this video is not loading as well as Chappie did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I remember it now. Yes, I rented Chappie on Chromecast once and it worked for me fine. Now I'm trying to rent this movie, Joe vs. Volcano, and it doesn't work. Why? One star. (laughs) One star. One star review. And one person found that review helpful. (laughs) That's the person I want to talk to, the person (laughs) that found that review helpful. What's their point of view? What's their place in all this? Uh, Well, I, I don't know that it's helpful, but I do have an observation about Minute 98, which in theory is what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music behind them settling down was the music box theme, the little love theme, the little do do do, the, la- the lamp music, whatever you want to call it. And then it fades and we get and they live happily ever after the end. It's very satisfying, fades to black silent. And then you get the score over the credits and it felt very old school like I needed the lights in the room to get brighter and for me to stand up and walk out and throw away my popcorn buckets (laughs) I I needed that like it just having the fade to black and then score over credits was like ah yes a film (laughs) that's what I'm watching yeah this has a very satisfying ending well because there's so the credits roll as you have the score above, but it's also like a painting or a picture. It's like a freeze frame of the night sky over the ocean, but the waves of the ocean kind of look like the backs of seats. It's almost like I'm in a theater and I'm looking at the empty seats in front of me and I see the the credits rolling on the screen. So yeah, I had kind of the same, I, I felt the same thing at the end of the, the film. I feel like I should be like putting my coat on, gathering yeah. up my empty <laughs> popcorn and everything and, and making my way out, you know, out of the theater. Like the end of the Muppets movie where the, all the mm-hmm. Muppets are in the theater watching the movie. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I'd, I I also appreciated the iris out, like the pan up to the moon and then iris oh, out yeah. to close. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a good iris out in a long time. And especially not an unironic one. You might see one on a sitcom if they're doing some kind of old timey movie themed joke or something like that. But not just one where it's this is the end of the fairy tale movie, dude. Happily ever after. Yeah. Just well, usually on a on a TV show, usually they're doing like a honeymooners episode. Yes, and that always oh, had the moon yeah. at the end, and so yeah. they kind of do that. But I think that's um, yeah. that's what I was thinking of because they did a honeymooners bit on King of Queens, which is one of those. I don't know if you have this in your life, but my wife and I have a couple of sitcoms that we've just watched the whole way through several times. And it's one of those when it's on, even if we've seen that particular episode a dozen times, even if I see some of those episodes in the gym and I can't hear the dialogue, I'm still (laughs) laughing. (laughs) But this is not King of Queens minute. Jarf, I can't wait to podcast with you some more, but it won't be that. (laughs) (laughs) So we get some credits. 
Yeah, we're into the credits. And I wondered if there was anyone in the credits uh, that stood out to either of you. I have a credits observation that I have to admit I did not make myself. It was sent to me by a listener. It's at the very end of this minute. In fact, it might even go into the next, but it's at the bottom at the end. Mm -hmm. It's for Tom Hanks' makeup artist. Oh, Dan Stevens. It's not so much Dan himself. It's the fact that the credit is for Tom Hanks' makeup artist. Tom Hanks' makeup artist. Tom Hanks' apostrophe <laughs> makeup artist. Who's Tom Hank? <laughs> That's what Jim O'Kane wanted to know. <laughs> so thank you, Jim, for pointing that out to me. And sending me a screenshot to prove it. That is hilarious. I was ready. I was like waiting over the pause button. Like it's in here somewhere. And it's at the very end of minute 98. So that was my big find amongst the credits. And it wasn't even mine, but I had to make sure we gave it its due. Nice going, Jim. Because what that makes you realize is there was a point in Hollywood history that there was someone who would typeset credits that didn't know Tom Hanks' name. <laughs> right? Yep. It's like, yeah, who's this Tom Hank guy? <laughs> sure, that's what we're going with. I feel bad because I assume we have lost Pete since I set up a long time and didn't hear it echoed back. But hopefully he'll be able to rejoin us. Sean, anything that stood out to you in the credits? I had, well, the, yeah, there, there's some interesting folks here in the credit, some interesting, or I thought it was interesting. Anyway. I was going to say, and pace yourself because we still have Friday, <laughs> which is all credits. All credits. So just, out. yeah, just restricting myself. So we start off before we get to the actors, actually. So the credits start with some technical and direction credits. So we start with unit production manager, Ian Bryce who uh, also worked with uh, on Ewoks, the Battle of Endor. Whoa. So there's a, a Star Wars connection there. Nice. What was, the yeah, Battle he was... of Endor, the movie, not like <laughs> the Battle of Endor, a part of Return of the Jedi, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah, no, the, the TV it, movie okay. Ewoks colon the Battle for Endor. But just, just I've actually sure. been wa- wanting sure. to rewatch that recently. I have to find you go right there. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was also the associate producer on Batman Returns in 1992, so uh, it's it's connected there. As did our first assistant director here, William Elvin, was the second unit director on Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which he has in common with. Uh, this film's second assistant director, Alan Edmonds, Ed, Ed, Edmondstein. I'm not sure how to pronounce. I'm probably murdering his name. Alan Ed, Edmondston. Edmondston. That sounds better. Alan Edmondson, the second assistant director on this film, also worked, was the se- second assistant director on Batman Forever. Also happened to work on Field of Dreams. So talking, speaking of uh, fairy tales, I consider that a a fairy tale movie. And then going back to the the Star Wars connection, the visual effects supervisor, David Carson, did visual effects for Star Wars, the motion picture, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. So another Star Wars connection there with some of the many wonderful special effects and visual effects that that are in this film. Oh, yeah. Top notch. That's one thing people remember (laughs) Joe versus the volcano for. That's what, yeah, they think of, you know, like the Death Star exploding and that volcano going off. Right. Everyone just shaking around. 
Absolutely. So when you think of special effects, you think of, yeah. Yeah, where, where are camera <laughs> operators? How many of them worked on Star Trek The Next Generation? <laughs> Perfecting their skills. Probably quite a few. Well, the one that stood out to me was the art director, Tom Duffield. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he's still working today. He's done Westerns as recently as 2016. But in the 80s and 90s, he was the art director of the aesthetics of my imagination. So we're talking <laughs> Lost Boys, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Batman Returns, which you mentioned, Edward Scissorhands, just, I mean... Men in Black. Men in Black, absolutely. And so, yeah. and that's actually, we talked about some some folks in costume design. Now, I think their credits maybe come later, but we talked about them way early in the show. And it's sort of a common theme that there's this cadre of folks, some of which you mentioned earlier, Sean, that were part of the like Tim Burton that's John Patrick Shanley crossover universe. So I, I just imagine that crew kind of hanging out and, and bouncing ideas off of one another and and in this pre-CGI world talking about where are they sourcing fabrics and, and what kind of tricks of lighting are they doing and how are they getting all of these really unique looks. So that that's like someone should make a documentary if they haven't already of that of that period and those weirdos making these movies that we love so much. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I've grown to appreciate more and something through podcasts like like this one. I um, mean, when I was younger, I would just go to a film and be like, oh, do I like it? Do I not like it? And maybe if it was, you know, like a Spielberg or Scorsese or, you know, a, a big actor like, like Tom Hanks would become that I'd recognize the name. But I just each movie was a, a separate event, whether I liked it or not. And it wasn't till much later that I started to pick up on a lot of the same people. And it's not just the big names, the the directors and so forth. It's the the assistant directors and the technical people and, and these assistants that are working on it. And that you'll see when I dig into the credits, I see, oh, a lot of these same names pop up again and again. There's these common threads that run through all these different movies that I've enjoyed for years. And this is just another example of that that we're seeing. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Your podcast, The Next Scene, you pick a scene to discuss Mm-hmm. If you were to pick a scene for, from Joe versus the Volcano to discuss, which do you think would be your first choice? Ooh. Wow. There's there's some good ones here. There's a few. I, I may have to do more than one. Tierney and I can confirm that there are a few <laughs> good <laughs> scenes in this Yeah. Movie. Oh, I'm, I'm sure Having you can. There, there's, yep. some, there's, some, there's some very good scenes. You know, t- talking about, I guess I'll, I'll try to go in sort of chronological order as they appear in the film. The quitting scene, when Joe quits and walks out and comes back and finally asks Dee Dee out. That's, that's a great scene. I love that. That's a really good one. When Grainamore visits Tom or Joe, um, and you get the, the great Lloyd Bridges. I mean, that's just a great scene. <laughs> Lloyd is just chewing up the scenery. I mean, that just he he looks like he's having so much fun. He's chewing up the scenery and he's chewing up Joe's apartment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, he's destroying walls in that scene. <laughs> Your Harrison Ford could never. <laughs> I mean, he just he he yeah the way he I mean he does knock. He, he's technically invited in, but the way he just barges into Joe's life. 
That's a really fun scene that we would definitely could just talk about that. I mean, you, you guys did it. I mean, but could talk about just that one scene for a long time. And I'll keep it to three and then jumping to the end when when Patricia professes her love for Joe and says, you know, let's let's get married. Let's do it. Um, and I guess the chief of an island is kind of like the captain of a ship or you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they can, you know, they, they can uh, perform legal ceremonies and, and marry people. But, you know, that kind of scene that that's really the, the culmination of the whole film and, and this this journey, well, the the long journey that Joe's been on, and then the little bit of a, sh- a shorter journey that Patricia's been on with him. To that, that's the the culmination. You know, the high point. At you know, so talking about that, the the proposal, his reluctance and eventually acceptance, and then the short little abbreviated ceremony they have. I think that would be my my third choice. But yeah, there's there's definitely there's a lot of good scenes in this film. Yeah, nice. I, I really it's dig so that. rare that doing a movies by minute podcast is the coward's way out of analyzing a <laughs> film. <laughs> we didn't have to pick a good scene. We just went with all of them. You know, mm-hmm. the lazy way. <laughs> <laughs> the lazy way. Well, I mean, you've opened yourself up to it, Tierney. So I'm going to ask you the impossible question of what scene would you choose? And to give you some time to think, I'm going to tell you the first one that popped into my mind. It's not necessarily my favorite scene, but what I think would really be juicy to to analyze further is the scene where Dee Dee asks Joe, what's wrong with you? And he buries his face in his hands and then lowers his hands and he's in the doctor's office. I really dig that scene because it's the first metaphysical moment in the movie where you where you realize okay we're we're not going to strictly follow the laws of nature you're going to get these magical transitions and then also it I think puts a finer point on okay that's one of the ideas that we're really going to explore like he's trying to figure out What's wrong with me? Man, the more we talk about this concept for your (laughs) podcast, the more excited I get. (laughs) I think with the right people, you could have a lot of fun digging into Dee Dee and Joe's date. That's where Mm. I thought you were going when you first Mm. started talking. I love them in the restaurant through when they get to his house and and she ends up leaving. Like, I had so much fun talking about the aftermath of that date with Megan. We, on the regular, now say to each other, you're gonna die? (laughs) (laughs) Just because we had so much fun doing it. But I love in the restaurant where she's like, what is wrong? Like, you've changed and his like, what other questions are there? Like he is having a manic episode. And mm-hmm. in real life, it is not usually fun to be with someone having a manic episode. But watching it and <laughs> analyzing it can be very fun because, you know, he's going to be OK. Yeah, that's a good one until I really don't like Dee Dee when she leaves. The way that date ends, I don't like her for that. Oh, but why that, not? That can, it can be fun to talk about. You can like talking about someone if they're doing something you don't like. Yes. That's, you don't that's like true. that she leaves at the end of the date, that she gets freaked out? He's Team Joe. <laughs> it does make it harder in something that everyone can understand why Dee Dee gets freaked out and the sadness of her saying, I can't handle it, Joe. But then they make the joke, I forgot my bag. 
to like, you know, ease off the sadness and it kind of makes it a little bit harder, I think, to sympathize with her as fully as you did before the joke. So, and if I'm wrong, Sean, please feel free to correct me. I'm just assuming that I can see how that would rub people the wrong way where it's like, oh, she left and it doesn't give you time to marinate in like why she left. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I, well, and I can be, I'm sympathetic because, you know, Joe's kind of, not the same, but they're very similar at that point. Joe and Patricia, or at least Joe was, and he kind of gets shaken out of that state by this death sentence. You know, the um, yeah, the death sentence. You know, that this diagnosis, that the brain cloud has kind of shaken him out. But I, the reason I'm frustrated with Didi is like I know you can be in a funk or you can be in a state, and it kind of takes you. It takes something to change your perspective or kind of shake you out of it. But it shouldn't have to be you. Like, so it's, you know, this dire diagnosis that, okay, it didn't happen to her, but it happened to, you know, someone she works with, someone she's, I guess, friends with. I mean, they probably, probably you know, spoke more during the scenes that we see in this film than they spoke the entire rest of the time they've been working together. But, you know, they're compatriots, they're co-workers. It shouldn't take till Dee Dee faces her own mortality, till she's shaken out of her funk. I think it should be enough that Joe's sharing this experience with her. I would hope that that would wake her up. And and she seems to be heading in that direction that, you know, his change in attitude is affecting her. It's rubbing off where she's changing a little bit as well. And she's opening, she starts to open up. And then when he says what's inspired the change in him, she runs away. And I'm, I guess, maybe disappointed more than anything else. I can see that. I think the reason that I don't judge Dee Dee as harshly for that moment is because I, I go along with Meg Ryan's analysis of these three characters, that they are the karma women for Joe, and they have to parallel wherever Joe is in his transition from PTSD and hypochondria to where he ends up happily ever after at the end of the movie. So it's just thematically necessary for her to be too scared mm-hmm. because he's at the point where he's too scared to face life. And that's that's the idea that they play out with him reaching for her hand and she can't grab his hand. She's got a closed fist And then Angelica gets closer to holding hands. And then finally, Joe and Patricia hold hands. Yeah. So is that a, is that a critique of the writing that we don't really, we don't get a full fleshed out female character in this film. We get these women that are there for Joe to reflect off of or reflect on and, you know, compare and contrast. They're there to kind of show the, you know, their importance is the way they relate to Joe. They're not important in and of themselves. Well, that's why we need a gender-swapped Josephine versus the volcano. <laughs> exactly, okay. yes. <laughs> there we go. Who's the female Tom Hanks? Oh. Brie Larson? Ooh, that's a good one. He's done the drama, done a little bit more action-y. Uh? Like lovable, but can, all, can be a little bit goofy, too. Yeah. Hmm. She's done some comedy. She's done serious stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I don't I'm my lack of knowledge in the up and coming actors and actresses is vast. There's there's many that I don't know. So I'm sure there's there's lots of great candidates out there that haven't broken through yet to uh to my level of knowledge, but 
No, that was like kind of the first one that came to mind. Yeah, I'm in the same camp as you, Sean. My wife and I like to play this game where we, so we'll take an old TV show and we imagine, oh, what if they made a movie out of it? Like, what if they mm-hmm. made <laughs> a Gilligan's Island movie? And then we'll cast it. But when it's something that calls for younger actors, we'll often use people who were in their 20s, in their 20s or 30s, like, in the 90s and early <laughs> early yeah. 2000s just because we're, we're not as familiar as, uh, with young, younger actors now and it usually ends up being Selma Blair somehow for everything <laughs> uh, but sure. yeah yes sure. in this gender swap we're gonna get progressive because I still need a woman to play Angelica because I need to see Margot Robbie play Angelica Ooh, that's good I don't know that I need to see her play Dee Dee and Patricia, which kind of messes with our whole just straight gender swap idea. But Margot Robbie as Angelica sounds amazing in my brain. Yeah, it does sound good. Uh, and if we manage to work Daisy Ridley in, we've pretty much exhausted people I've seen in movies this year. <laughs> so that's Is there all some... I got. <laughs> Is there some reason why this year wasn't a big year for... Seen movies? I can't imagine. You why. know, but that's not fair because it would have been slightly better, but not by that much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if no, I won't say. I was well. Uh, so if picture Daisy Ridley as Josephina, <laughs> Josephina Harrison Finn. Ford, Harrison Ford as Mister Waturi. Uh, oh, <laughs> Mister I thought I was finally going to get my Marshall. Um. Oh, that could be really fun, though. Joe, don't touch that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can just I can picture Harrison Ford with the. Did I tell you that? If I told you that, I would have been wrong. <laughs> I just picture him growling. I'm not arguing that with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not arguing. That. Oh yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Grumpy We've old done Harrison it again. Ford. This is ridiculous. Poor Pete is missing out. <laughs> Well, I, I think the thing is with Pete the Retailer is if cast strikes him down, then he returns e- even more powerful than you can imagine. Okay. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed on that. If not, I have two plugs for today and neither of them are actually for me, but I think they're both really important. I wanted to make sure we got to plug Star Wars Minute properly since it is the podcast that gave rise to the genre that we are all involved in. And now, Jarf, you are one episode away from completing your first Movies by Minutes journey. So it's thank the makers, Pete and Alex, for kicking this off and encouraging everyone to just start their own podcast and go crazy. Here, 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 here. Yes. yes. Thank the makers. Yeah. Raise your glass to Star Wars Minute. Even if Pete Rhea Taylor is only with us today in Force Ghost form, <laughs> he has- in- Cast Ghost form? <laughs> <laughs> Cast Ghost Pete. Yep. Um- <laughs> But um, the other person that I wanted to give a big shout out to because we were talking about costuming and the small world of Hollywood and behind the scenes is Zach Luna, who Zachary Luna, who is an actor, but has also been involved in costuming. And there is nothing that has given me bigger thrill than watching a promo for The Tick and pointing to I, I turned to my husband. I was like. You know, I know someone who worked on that. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. I knew that he had done some 
costume production for Black Panther, but I didn't know about the tick too. It was the studio, but but the point is there was. There Are was you talking some about there. you're talking about like the more recent Amazon yes, tick, yes. right? Yeah. There's just something very cool about that and being like, oh, I want to check this out. Uh, the the other person that I get so excited about is um, Paul Selvin, who hosts the Bull Durham Minute. His brother is a writer and his brother has written for like four out of my favorite TV shows lately. <laughs> and there is nothing more annoying slash satisfying to my family than me screaming, there it is, there's Ted's name! And <laughs> pointing at the opening <laughs> credits of every episode of like Picard and Riverdale. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was Discovery. But I, either way, new Star Trek <laughs> and Riverdale. And I was just like, I'm sorry, what now? Your brother does what for a living? <laughs> so, but I love, uh, I think it's Zachary Luna is his Instagram. He dresses up as Spider-Man. It's real cool. <laughs> Yeah, I saw a greeting that he did as Spider-Man to some elementary school kids. And I was just kind of putting myself in those kids' shoes. Uh, he he got the teacher to give some names of the kids so he could specifically shout them out. So Theo and Anne, listen to your teacher, but I got to go now because I got to meet up with Miles Morales. And I just imagine like, if I was a kid... Because, I mean, his cosplay is legit. Like, when you see him on video, that is Spider-Man. If I saw Spider-Man say my name, Mm -hmm. that would make my whole life as, like, (laughs) an elementary school kid. Spider-Man said my name. So, yeah, I think it's a great thing that he does. It's wonderful. All right. So now we should be crass and plug our own programs, I suppose. But it was one of those things that floated into my brain that I was like, I should mention this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, he I know- was very busy this season, yeah. so we weren't able to get him onto this show. So I should mention this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. And if I can give one more teaser for Friday, I know that we're, we've seen the Iris out and the Happily Ever After. Like It's all credits. But two exciting things for Friday. First of all, we will be continuing our Fairy Tale Friday f- feature, so you're going to get a chance to hear Sean's favorite fairy tale in any medium. And we also have a special announcement for Joe vs. Volcano uh, that we're going to share with you on Friday as well. So please, you've gotten this far with us. Tune in on Friday, uh, and, and you're going to get all that great content. And Sean, if even that isn't enough for them, <laughs> they should look up your shows. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, I think at this point, I would say go to catandshawn.org. It's C-A-T, like a cat, and Sean, S-E-A-N, dot org. And there I link to, um, as Tierney mentioned, I did two previous Movie by Minutes podcasts. I did Spinal Tap Minute, covering the film This Is Spinal Tap, and Groundhog Minute, covering Groundhog Day, and both of those one minute at a time. And I also link to uh, some other podcast stuff I'm doing, um, including the next scene and then all my guest appearances. If you wonder what other podcasts have I have I crashed and, and burned in this manner, um, <laughs> I link to my, my guest appearances there as well. So, um, yeah, if you want to hear more from me, just check out catandshawn.org. Nice. And I might add that Heidi Bennett from Spider Tap Minute was our first guest on the show. So this is this is sort yes. of bookends the whole There you go. The <laughs> whole like experience. A, it's like poetry at rhyme. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or, <laughs> or ring theory. But uh 
Heidi, yeah, if you remember way back when, Heidi Bennett was my my wonderful co-host on Spinal Tap Minute there. So yeah, check that out. Tierney, I understand that you have a Patreon that our listeners who may have this growing sense of grief and loss at the fact that our show is almost over could look to for more Tierney content. Tell us about that. Oh, more Tierney content sounds like a threat. Or is it a promise? Uh, <laughs> Yes, uh, like Sean, I have joined the let's just make one website and put everything on there. <laughs> <laughs> level. So if you go to my Patreon and my dot com are both one steel sister, O-N-E-S-T-E-E-L-E-S-I-S-T-E-R. I do movie nights. I do postcards. I do random videos of stuff I'm doing now or... Like, I had to put together a little video for a friend of how to edit an audacity, so I threw that up on there. If you've ever wanted to know how I edit these podcasts and put them together. And it's just kind of, like, randomly delightful. It's a really nice way to... Well, when I support people, I feel like, oh, it's a really nice way to support people. And then as a person who has Patreons... It's such a, like, sweet relationship. (laughs) That sounds so corny. Maybe I'll cut that out. But it's just like, wow, really, guys? Cool. I'm going to go make something for you. Like, it's just the best rush. So, yeah, you can find me there. And if you go to onesteelsister.com, that has links to my shows and guest appearances. And then the support button cuts over to my Patreon page. And I have offered myself as tribute for other Movies by Minute shows that are looking for guests. Uh, So I'm sure you'll be able to see some guest appearances from me soon. The best place to follow me to find out both what shows I'm guesting on and just other podcasts I listen to and enjoy is on Twitter. So you can follow me on Twitter at Inspector Flora. So... We have one more episode left. And listeners, if you if you are detail-oriented or math whizzes, you might notice that there is more than one minute left of the movie. But for your convenience and listening pleasure, we have decided to roll minutes 99 through 102 into one handy Friday episode for you. So we will be back on Friday with minutes 99 to 102. And don't forget, it's Fairy Tale Friday. So that's all for now. Where to now, Tierney? The end. <laughs> Wait, no, that's the wrong part. <laughs> I specifically told them to come back on Friday. And then what do you do? Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.